What's up? It's Andrea. Today, we see the incredible conclusion to last week's episode. The Riker curse continues, and we ask the question, would it be worse to be killed on duty or to be assimilated by the Borg? Stay tuned. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek, the next generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea Sharice. I am so excited. Season four, episode one, the stunning conclusion to Best of Both Worlds. It's Locutus of Borg. It's Captain Riker. Oh, so oh, good. It's so everything. good. It's this, everything. Yeah, I have to say that um, I remember this episode, the, the last episode, last week's episode. I remember how I felt at that cliffhanger. I remember holding my breath. Oh. I remember being like, exactly. I thought they were going to resolve everything in the last five minutes. And I kept thinking, oh, how are they going to resolve this? I wonder how they're going to resolve this. And then the captain's gone. I'm like, okay, I wonder how they're going to find him. Cause the away team, you think for sure they're going to capture him and like, just go back and run away or something. But no, he turns into a Borg and then Riker says fire. And I remember being like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was like amped to watch the, the, like this conclusion of the story. And I don't remember at all how he felt watching the conclusion as a kid, mm. but I will say watching it as an adult, I like this episode better than the last episode. It just had everything I wanted in Trek in this episode. Okay. I agree with you completely. Unfortunately, the writer of this episode, Michael Piller, and the director, Cliff Bull, both have said that despite the fact that this episode was widely viewed as like the best cliffhanger resolution in television history, they felt like they kind of let the team down a little bit. They were like, you know, episode one was just so great. And episode two was like, mm. and like, I'm with you. Like, I think episode one is fantastic. And it's this like kick-ass buildup, mm-hmm. but like the buildup is nothing without the solution. And we've mm-hmm. got like a little bit of everything. We've we're, we're aboard a Borg ship. Mm-hmm. There's a change of command. You see the, re- the like leftovers of like a, some graveyard yeah. massacre. Mm-hmm. We get sick bay. We get the like, we get Data's lab again. Yes. We haven't seen this lab since LOL. Since LOL. Yeah. We, I mean, it just has everything. Um, it it was a great episode. Yeah. And the first one was, there was the slow burn. It was a slow buildup. But this mm-hmm. one, it's just like thing after thing after thing. And you don't know how they're going to win. There just seems to be no winning. And, you know, I love a good Trek episode where you don't know how it's going to work out. Yes. You don't Even when you've seen it before, you're like, but how do they get out of that sticky situation? which is how I felt watching this. I was like, how did they do this again? I'm so glad that you brought this up because I do love a no-win situation. And then suddenly there's a solution. You're like, I really did not see that coming. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say that because TNG had borrowed, at least in season one, so many storylines from the original series. And it was Mm -hmm. all a drunk virus or a virus or, or like a a space virus or an electricity (laughs) virus or like some shit like that. It's like, God damn it. Right. (laughs) This is the first episode of season four. The original series only ran three seasons. So at this point, we have reached this like threshold that TNG is now eclipsing the original series in Mm -hmm. like length. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's like, I just think it's so great. And I wrote, no more borrowing drunk viruses. (laughs) Right. Now we have to come up with our own material. And this is well done. And I also noticed just kind of scanning over what's to come. I think because this two-part finale was so freaking 
popular that mm-hmm. they just decided to do a two-part finale for all of the rest of the seasons. Hell yeah. And I was like, oh. And for they sweeps, just... like in the middle of the seasons too. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, they're they're doing this again, huh? Oh, and they're doing it again. But they never get to the greatness of this. And they even try to do another season finale with Borg to, I feel like to maybe be like, see this one, it's the one with Data and Lore. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah and but I, that one was like, rah, rah. it just kind of felt yeah, like, I mean, it just it was, sort of felt like beige good. corduroy. Like, like yeah, okay, think, it was all right, but it wasn't it was good, but it wasn't it's not this, groundbreaking. Right? Yeah. None of them were this. And I feel like that's no. a little bit sad because there's, I, it just feels to me like it was like, let's redo what we did. That was so great. And like, you just can't compete with Picard yeah. being turned into a Borg. Like no, no storyline is going to touch that emotionally and having Riker have to shoot his own captain. Like, Yes. And you like never get a second chance at first impression. So the first time that the away team is on the cube and Beverly spots Picard and you just see his profile and he looks mostly human. And then when he turns and you see all the Borg implants, like Beverly's look is exactly our look where we're like, oh shit. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh my God. Because we didn't know at this point that assimilation was a thing. We just knew the Borg were destructive and blew stuff up. Yes. And just scooped away stuff, scooped away stuff. And we never knew what happened to the stuff they scooped away. Yes. And now you're like, this is kind of worse than death. If they capture you, you become a zombie. So it's better to be blown out of the sky than to be captured. Yes. And I was thinking about that too, because as we see later, there's a moment where we see Locutus of Borg having a tear running down the side of his face. Mm -hmm. And you're like somewhere in there, Picard is in agony Mm-hmm. and is powerless against it. And I was thinking, God, if I were Borg, I'd be like jumping out of the airlock if I mm-hmm. could just to like, mm-hmm. just to end it. it so terrible. Well, let's just jump in. Okay. So I want to say this is the first time in Star Trek that we get a uh, two part, right? And Majel Barrett is the most amazing voice of TNG. She really is. As much mm-hmm. as I don't like Loxana as a character. She just crushes episode, it as the computer. She really does. <laughs> she absolutely does. And she... It starts off the op- the episode opens with previously on, and then it's got the whole mm-hmm. build up, mm-hmm. and then Major Barrett says, "And now the conclusion." And it's oh, it's just so it's everything. good. It's everything I love. Which so and you know what? I can't even say that I don't like Major Barrett as Loxana. I think sh- I can't imagine anyone else being Loxana. You're right. I don't like Loxana. Yes. <laughs> Major yeah. Barrett, you do a great job in that role as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nothing can touch that computer voice. Like that is so iconic. That voice alone is, is like the heartbeat of Trek. Yes. Right? It, it really yeah. is. Where do you go without the enterprise that, you have to have that computer, the ambient sound aboard the enterprise, mm-hmm. the warp core mm-hmm. and major Barrett as the computer voice, especially saying, and now the conclusion mm-hmm. is like chicken soup for my soul. It's, it's like mm-hmm. ultimate nerd comfort food for my soul. It really is. Um, so I'm going to give you the four bullet point previously on. Okay. The Borg have arrived in the Alpha Quadrant. They've taken Picard and assimilated him into the Borg. Commander Shelby is the Borg task force leader and comes aboard and ruffles Riker's feathers as she continues to just kick ass. And then Riker has to make the hard call at the end and fire upon the Borg with Picard along with them. So with Picard assimilated by the Borg, Riker is forced to go one-on-one with his former captain. Like that's our previously on. So picking it right up, the Mm -hmm. the screen comes on and they're like fire. They discharge the weapon, which causes a ton of damage to the enterprise, which they already knew was going to happen. But in exchange for blowing up the cube, it's worth it. Like Mm -hmm. whatever. They weren't going to die. I mean, it was just going to burn out all their systems. They weren't going to be able to pursue them. Except that. Except that when they fire the weapon and keep (laughs) firing it and keep firing it and the enterprise is breaking down piece by piece by piece, 
the cube is like, it's like a butterfly trying to beat its wings as hard as possible to blow me away. And it's like ripping its wings apart. And I'm like, oh, there's a butterfly around. Like, <laughs> yes. And you're just, and Lacutus is just staring. I mean, their ship, the cube isn't even rocked a little bit. Like, like it Not would be with even. a big force field. Yeah. With Not the, even with a little the of the like tractor beam or something, nothing. And then they're like, Riker's like, what is going on? There's no way that they've adapted that fast. We literally just said, I just said fire. There's no way. And then that's when we discover perhaps the worst part of this whole Borg assimilation yes. situation. Yes. Cutis, formerly known as Picard, says we have assimilated Picard and all of his knowledge. So they knew that the weapon was going to be fired and they knew exactly how to combat mm-hmm. it before it was even fired. And the Enterprise just did this for nothing. Yes. They burned themselves up for nothing. And I got to say the most climactic moment in, in Star Trek for me of ever is Mr. Worf fire with that buildup we mm-hmm. had last week. Mm-hmm. The most anticlimactic resolution is <laughs> the deflector <laughs> shield goes and nothing happens. And then they just stare and they go, what happened? I'm like, that's it. That's it. I remember as a kid watching this for the first time being like, that was it. Ah, we waited like four months for this. Mm-hmm. Like, Deflector and you're like, shit. there's not, I mean, there's not even like a scratch on that cube, not We're even. Some, some explosions or something. It was like, didn't even get rocked. And you're like, huh? Then you find out that, wow. Okay. So they have every, they know everything Picard knows, including, which this is what they use later on with the Borg, especially in Voyager. I don't remember so much in TNG, but when people get assimilated, they also have all of their security codes. And so they can like hack right into your computer, like hack right into the computer of the enterprise if they wanted to take over all the ship's controls using Picard's like access codes and stuff. I mean, they could do all kinds of stuff, all but of here, all they're doing is just like kind of just protecting themselves against the beam and then just being like, okay, back to what we were doing anyways. And you're just like, uh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. So yes. now so what? That was literally the, their only weapon. Yes. And the Borg is like, we've been able to prepare for all possible attacks. It's like, well, shit, you know? So they take off and the enterprise is like limping around, right? Like trying to get itself up and running. And we get the senior staff meeting and Admiral Hansen says, we have prepared, you know, this big defensive. Mm -hmm. Yes. At Wolf 359, we've got 40 plus ships, 11,000 some odd personnel. Um, And And we're going to make our stand there. That's what we're going to do. And Riker's like, we have no weapons. Like, they're just like, oh, well, we're going to make our stand we're there. We're sitting ducks. Yeah. We're yeah. going to defend as much as we can, try yeah. to protect Earth from over there and Godspeed. Yes. And they have to stay behind to do, enter- uh, the Enterprise has to stay behind to do these repairs. Because and I they love literally that can't move. They, because they <laughs> blew out their whole system with that goddamn deflector shield that did nothing. Anyway, but I love that Riker's like, the Enterprise will be there. Like, we might be a little late to the party, but we'll be there. Mm-hmm. And I love just that determination. And Admiral Hansen is like, oh, yeah, one last thing real quick. Because Picard is a casualty of this war mm-hmm. or this battle. Um, and after talking about, like, how remarkable of a human, like, Picard was, mm-hmm. he's like, Riker, I'm giving you a field promotion to captain of the Enterprise. And it's kind of that moment that Riker has always wanted and in the worst possible situation, Mm -hmm. you know, he never wanted it like this. Mm -hmm. And it just made me super sad. It's kind of like Worf, right? Taking over for Yar when she died from the smoke, uh, you know, from Armis, from the tar monster. And then (laughs) later on, um, who else died that he was supposed to take over for them, but then they didn't really die. Didn't that happen twice? 
It must. It probably oh, did. No, who? Uh, I don't know. Whatever. But the point is, because <laughs> I remember them. I remember we had this conversation where Troy was like, "You're taking over for somebody again who's died." Um, yes, but it was it was Worf taking over for Data, who they thought Data was dead, but the collector had oh, gone yes, yes, like, yes. Okay. Had him for like Kelsey had Okay, there we like, go. Who died. Yeah, yeah that okay. was itching my brain. I'm like, I know there's something there. Yeah, right. But it's kind of like that where where Worf never wanted to be promoted by having his colleagues die. That was never the intention. It's just an unfortunate circumstance. And we know Riker's been offered command three times and has not taken it because he doesn't want to leave the enterprise. And now he has to take command. But we also find that he's 100% ready for it, which yes. is how he was doubting himself last episode. Can I make the big decisions? Do I really want leadership? Yes. And now he's put in charge and he's a freaking epic captain. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. He really is. He just takes charge and he's ready to get down with the Borg. Now we jump into the Borg cube and Picard, or sorry, Locutus is lying there getting his modifications. And I love that there's this little beam that comes and like interfaces with one of his interfaces on his head. Mm -hmm. And then did you notice that his skin turned gray, like instantly, like he was kind of grayish as Locutus before, but it was like, like his skin color was totally dialed down. It was so cool. No, I didn't notice that. You didn't notice that. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. There were a couple of things I noticed that were Borg related. And I was like, Oh, that is really cool. Yeah. I noticed his skin got like eight shades grayer. I was like, Whoa, like they just turned that off, I guess. And then we have that tear running like down the side Mm -hmm. of his face. And I was like, Oh my God, because Picard has against his will had all of his knowledge and clearance codes and everything from Starfleet taken. And now the Borg have it. Recording paused. Everything good? Yeah, I think they're like knocking to be like, hey, but then I don't quite hear it. Oh, oh, and then they just like leave. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah. So you were saying, um, yeah, like Picard is lying there and he's just got this tear running down his face and it just breaks my heart for him. Like this has got to be the most traumatic experience you could ever go through. Um, and I just, oh God, my heart just broke for Picard because it's not, it's not Locutus that's crying. It's Picard. Right. Right. And the thing that I noticed is when they put that really cool glove on his hand. Yeah. Has all the little, yeah. Little, so, little, yeah. So little, here little they just pieces. showed him like, just kind of like making a fist and they slid it onto his arm, which looks so dope. Yeah. But in the future, um, when they describe this, this, t- uh, assimilation is they actually chop off people's arms to yes. like, make those attachments. And you see when people get rescued from the Borg and they take those off, it's just like a little stump underneath. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate how the Borg evolve over the course mm-hmm. of this show and over the course of Voyager and over the course of the movies mm-hmm. and how they just become bigger and badder because even without all that evolution, they're still like the most terrifying enemy. They are yes. so scary. They yes, are, they are, they're so scary. And then they just keep making them just a little bit more realistic and a little bit worse. Yes. Okay. I, th- I love that you mentioned that because I did find some concept artwork from this production and it was originally the idea to have Patrick Stewart kind of like put his arm kind of like down his sleeve and behind him and then have this cybernetic arm that when data later in the episode, like has that battle of strength with him, like breaks it, breaks the whole thing off, not just the little control knob, Mm -hmm. but like 
breaks the arm in half. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, wow. But I love that they have these ideas that they're like, we can't flush them out right now. Mm -hmm. But like for later, we should, you know, that's what life is. For later, we should figure it out. And then later they figure it out. And you're like, oh my gosh. And then they tease out later, like in Voyager, when one of the Borgs that they rescue we find out that she remembers exactly what it felt like to be assimilated. Oh my God. And she's assimilated thousands. And she knows she knew at the time what it felt like for them because she remembers going through it. And because they're Borg, they remember everything. And we hear that at the end of this episode when Picard's like, I remembered everything. Yeah. It's like, Oh, they just, it's like the torture never stops. These are, these are some formidable (laughs) bad guys. I have to say. Yes. And now the, the enterprise is still disabled An engineering team is running all manner of tests to get things back up and running. Mm-hmm. And commander Shelby is kind of heading things up. And she mentions that two engineers are sort of running final tests. And she mentions mentions it just in passing, but she's like, Lieutenant so-and-so and Lieutenant Barkley are running final tests. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Barkley's still aboard the ship. And I noticed I thought, that too. I was like, and oh, I thought, couldn't, couldn't the board just take him? Cause if they'd assimilated him, they'd turn into this like useless bumbling pile of machines with overwhelming social anxiety. And then they would cease to be the biggest threat in the universe, you know, and then just recede into their own holodeck. And I was like, man, <laughs> poor Barclay. Poor mm. Barclay. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that little honorable mention as well. I'm like, okay, yeah. you, you know. There. He's just like O'Brien, you know, you just give him a little shout out from time to time. You don't need to see his mm-hmm. face all the time. No, oh, I don't. A, that was a nice touch. I certainly don't. <laughs> so Shelby is very sure of herself as always. Nothing has mm-hmm. changed her. And she's just like, um, yeah, Riker. So you know what? I, Cause he says something to her. That's like a compliment. And she's like, yes, good enough to be your first officer. Like she just totally brings it up again. Yes. And he's just like, man, you are super ambitious. And, um, you know, she's almost like, thank you, sir. Yes, I am, sir. But he's mm-hmm. like, and you have a lot to learn. And she's like, um, you know, it's just totally humbled. Like, you're right. I do. And then he says, and so did I. And Picard reminded me of that. So yeah. like, I will actually consider you. I'm not just straight up shutting you down, but I'm also not yes. saying yes. And it was just very like, I don't know. I just really feel like Riker's a really good leader. He's an, he is a fantastic leader and he doesn't become captain for another number of years of a different ship, but he just, he has what it takes now I love in this scene, he's already got his like fourth pip, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there it is. I, I just love it so much. Now Starfleet ends up reporting that they have engaged with the Borg at Wolf 359 and Admiral and it's not Hansen, going well. It's not going well. Hansen is like, it's very choppy communication. They're like, we're going to have to like retreat and regroup and like, you know, and Crusher is asked how long it'll take to get there. And it's like, 27 hours or something hugely ridiculous. It's like, yeah, or, uh, like we're not going to make it. And so and they it's, like, up- it's, it's like two, it's two hours, but still, oh, is it? Okay. yeah, they, they said it'll be two to three hours before they can join them, but they're fighting now. Like, yes, right now, two to three hours. It might as well be a year. Yes. Yes. And it's 40 ships, 40 plus like yeah federation starship and as like, hans is reporting really big you see his ships like getting hit and like the screen's all shaky and wobbly it looks like original series going on in yes, there yeah and then the communication just cut off so you're like yeah he doesn't have two to three more minutes yes probably. absolutely so they're like okay repairs warp nine and like let's get this you know let's get this up and running mm-hmm. so they finally are able to like get themselves into high warp and they're warping as fast as they can to wolf 359 and in the observation lounge i love that cap captain riker which is kind of a mouth it's like feels weird for me to say but captain mm-hmm. riker ends up making shelby his first officer officially and mm-hmm. i love that his reasoning is like she's the borg tactical like expert and i need everybody 
at the posts that they know how to do well, because this Mm -hmm. is really a live or die moment. Mm -hmm. So I need you where you're used to being. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really, really like that Shelby's role in best of both worlds. Part one was really to like ruffle feathers and be kind of grating. And I love that she isn't at all in this episode. Mm -hmm. Like she's really stepping into the role that she's been like super ambitiously trying to get at. And I, and I dig it. I dig it. And she still has that ambition. She still has that drive. She still has Mm -hmm. that. Let's have a crazy idea, Mm -hmm. but she's not, but she's playing within the, she's coloring within the lines, you know, Mm -hmm. she's definitely, Mm taking charge, but she's not being rude or anything, which is really nice. It's like, okay, so she can handle it also. Good to know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I will point out Beverly comes up with this idea. And maybe this is where you got the time frame from. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Beverly comes up with this idea of creating these destructive nanites that they can somehow, we don't know how, introduce into the Borg. And because they're a collective, it'll infect all of the Borg. And this is actually something that in Voyager happens a couple times where there's something that infects the Borg. Um, and they try it and it usually just affects a single cube and then the cube self-destructs or whatever. And it doesn't like, it doesn't ultimately take down the entire Borg, mm-hmm. but it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's going to take two to three weeks to make these yes. nights, let alone how it's going to be deployed. And like we said earlier, we don't have two to three minutes. Like we just don't yes. have time for it, but it I is a great that, idea. I love that Troy points out like nanites might be the only thing left of the Federation in two to three weeks, which mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to be snarky, but just highlight like the urgency and how sad now, that is. Yeah. And I, and I love that idea now. Okay. Sharice, possibly one of the best moments of the entire episode is when Guinan comes to visit Riker. Mm-hmm. And although he's like, uh, Guinan, it's not the good time. She just walks right. And she's like, I'm kind of just used to having the captain's ear. And then she sits in the captain's chair, which so great. Only, only from Guinan would be seen as not disrespectful. Mm-hmm. She is not disrespecting the chair. She's just talking to Riker as an equal. And she says, you have to let go of Picard. If he died, it would be easier, but he didn't. They took him from us one piece at a time. And she goes on to say that our relationship is beyond friendship, beyond family, and I will let him go. Like, you have to let him go because people who are certain that they're about to die have a way of kind of making that come true. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to let him go. I was just like, oh, watching that. That was great. that? That was so great. And then she gets up to leave and says, by the way, that's your chair now. Because when he came in, he was terrified to sit in it. I mean, he could sit in the captain's chair on the bridge all day long because he does it as a first officer whenever Picard's off of the bridge. But sitting in his chair in his ready room, he has never done that before. But to see Guinan do it so casually and then to see and then to have her say, and by the way, that's your chair, like sit in it. Mm -hmm. And then having him sit in it was so powerful. And yeah, you know, I will say, though, one thing that does disappoint me is that they had all this mystery about. Picard and Guinan and their original meeting and this line that she says right here of closer than family, closer than friends, whatever Mm -hmm. does not get actualized when we finally see how they did meet. It was such an incredible letdown. I think they should have always left that to be a mystery because the way she talked about it. And it's clear that at this point they hadn't written that how they met and they hadn't decided how that story was going to go or if they were ever going to reveal it. I think leaving it a mystery the same way Guinan's people are a mystery would have been a better call because then we could just be like, I don't know. They're super close. We'll, we, no one knows why. Um, Cause when you actually find, see the episode where they meet, you're just kind of like, this does not inspire this depth of devotion and loyalty and blah, blah, blah. It just doesn't. So that, that was a little sad only because I know the answer to that, but like, 
at the time you don't. So you're just like, Ooh, what happened between them? Exactly. I know. Cause she had kind of this little smirk and I was like, were they lovers? At some exactly. Point? Were like, they lovers? What? That's the only other option of relationship, right? That we didn't Seriously. cover with family, friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> like- and, or bonus. Yeah, exactly. I was like, must be bonus. So Riker is like, finally realizing like, I really do need to let this man go. And he gets calmed to say like, we've arrived at Wolf 359 and they find nothing but complete destruction. Mm -hmm. All of the ships have been destroyed. Mm -hmm. 11,000 plus servicemen and women and service children have been killed, including Admiral Hansen. He's gone. service children well, why why do you have see why again, do you have kids on this, your ship this is why you leave a note okay yes. this is why yes. you don't have kids aboard a ship like this so admiral hansen is gone and a couple of things the production wanted to do the battle however because of budgetary constraints and they just had sunk so much money into like into the board probably special effect. holy cow yes Oof. I was doing some background reading and they did like 80 plus practical effects in this episode alone or in these two episodes alone. Mm -hmm. So it just took up so much time and so much money that they're like, we don't have the money for it. So I did see the super cool behind the scenes photo of just kind of like a broken chunk of like a warp nacelle and a little engineering section that's been like battle blasted and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's in a prop house. So they're kind of painting it and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this is so freaking cool. It was just amazing. Now, one little side note, I'm going to say the Riker conspiracy continues, Sharice, because one of the ships destroyed (laughs) is the Melbourne, which he was offered command of. And I was like, see, Every time a ship is offered <laughs> up to Riker, something <laughs> fucked up happens to that ship. Yep. Like mm-hmm. if the, I, the Riker curse, I don't even it know. Is the Riker curse. Like if I were on a ship and they'd be like, oh yeah, like we might be getting Captain Riker. Riker. I'd be like, let me just go ahead and put in for my transfer right exactly. now. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> like, Peace out, yo. Nice knowing you. <laughs> nice knowing you. That's all I need to know is just that it was offered to him. Not that he yeah. said he was going to take it. Nope. Just the offer alone is yep. a death sentence. That's enough. That is enough for me. <laughs> Love that so much. So the Riker conspiracy continues. Um, okay, so at this point in the episode, Riker and Shelby are kind of talking options because they're like, Jesus Christ, like this mm-hmm. is a graveyard. Mm-hmm. And also all the effects of like the little sparks and the fires and the explosions kind of continuing. And 40 something ships versus one Borg cube. And like they all, this was their fate. It was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. So they're like, all right. Here's the problem. Picard knows us sometimes better than we know ourselves. Mm-hmm. So he knows all the possible possible he knows all the possibilities of like what kind of plans we could come up with. So now we need to start thinking like wildly out of the box because they are going to be prepared for everything. Right. Which is a good thing that they have Shelby on board because she's all about thinking outside of the box. Yes, she really is. So they do this like saucer separation and right. I think it's like our third time seeing the saucer separation. I think and it is. Maybe third. it's our also last time seeing the saucer, saucer separation. We'll see as Possibly. we go on, but I don't, I don't think it happens after this. Um, I mean, I love the idea so much that the starship can separate into two pieces. Remember in the, in the pilot mm-hmm. episode, it was like, what? Like mm-hmm. this ship can separate. And, and then in the other really episode cool. when Jordy did it, it was like, what? Like it was yeah. so cool. I and keep this, forgetting that it can do that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. That's why when, when she did it this time, I was just like, oh shoot, they did it a third time. I didn't even remember. Yeah. And then I thought, you know, and then Shelby was like, sir, can I remind you that Picard was briefed on that? So he's going to expect it. And Riker's like, I'm, I hope so. But so it's like Riker used that yes. against him. But at the same time, part, little part of me was going, 
yeah, well, he wouldn't know if you wouldn't have gone over Riker's head and briefed him on it. When yeah. Riker told you not to, then he wouldn't know that that was your trick. You know, a little, a little part of me was like, this is, is why that, you Shelby? don't. Yeah. This is why you respect the chain of command shall be. God damn it. Let me just remind you, sir. He was briefed. Uh-huh. We know. We know he was briefed. We know who briefed him too. Also. But unlike me, Riker is not petty. So he's just like, yeah, I know that. And we're going to use that to our advantage, which I thought was genius. Yeah, he he did. He does use this to his advantage. And I really love it. So they separate the ship and Riker takes a star drive and tells Locutus that he's prepared to surrender. And we just need a little bit of time to like prepare. And did you, you know, notice this? The view screen on the board cube was also a cube. No. Yes, <laughs> it, was it, was. Like, it was. It was like four was. screens it in a square. It was like angled. Yeah. And I did notice rotating. that. I did notice that. Oh, that like, was super cool. So dope. You're just all about that cube shape, man. They are really all about that cube. <sighs> but yeah, so he's like, come on, like, Locutus, you know that Picard would trust me implicitly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm telling you, we're going to prepare for surrender. And I love that they've got this like sneaky little plan. Mm-hmm. So the saucer section starts firing this antimatter spread that's basically creating a smoke screen where Worf and Data can take a little tiny shuttle wearing like really cool armbands mm-hmm. and like kind of bumble around, like go in like bursts of energy and then cut engines and then they can kind of drift they right kind into of slip like, past the net. Yes. Mm-hmm. Super cool. And by the way, the shuttle penetrates the Borg antimatter field and Data and Worf beam aboard the cube. Number one, this is the first time we've ever seen in Star Trek that shuttles can have transporters like transporting capability because we've never seen it before it's the first time hmm. like, oh that's, that's cool. interesting okay yeah. yeah and now that you mention it the whole point of having a shuttle was when you can't just transport to the exactly. ship yeah exactly. that's a really good point i what i thought was weird was when the he like clicked the tra- the emergency mm-hmm. transporter he clicked mm-hmm. it in the ceiling and i was like huh what's that since when has that been there i don't remember seeing that before that was more my thought it like never yeah you're was. right transporting out of a shuttle like that's first super time. Neat. Super first neat. time. And and by the way, I love because the shuttle is so tiny, you don't have space to put a transport pad. So it's just like yep. a little thing in a seat. It's kind of like a dome light in your car. Like it yep. doesn't take up a lot of space, but it's there. Now they're able to get into the Borg cube and the exact location of Locutus, which is handy, which is totally handy. Cause <laughs> one of the ensigns was like, I can get you within 30 meters. It's like, okay. Okay. So they find him. And by the way, this bothered me they start firing at the Borg and the first two Borgs that they fire at go down quickly. And I was like, okay, so the third one's going to have like the shield. Yeah. They're going to adapt. They don't. It's like, pew, 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 and pew, pew. Like they all just go down. It's like, what? The last two should have adapted and they should have had to change their phaser settings. They really should have. But and also Locutus should have resisted and not just been like, not just try to hit Worf over the head with his really big arm. Also should have, like fired. Or what wasn't Data the one running in to fight this like, cyborg <laughs> why do you always have wharf in there wharf is strong but not that strong when you need someone who's strong but not strong enough you send wharf in every time <laughs> when you need somebody who's like strong adjacent like like re- like the cousin of strong like, you like send tangentially in strong <laughs> you send wharf in and then when you need actual strong you've got data coming oh calm and cool word. like in any case data said to, to give the the little hypospray shot that knocks out Locutus. And they kidnap him back. And it was kind of like, you still are captain. We still him back. Yeah. So they kidnap him. And they did like, a take backs. <laughs> they sure, they sure did. And then from back in the back of the shuttle, they just clicked like a button and they were like, get us out of here. They hit the, you know, forward button or whatever from back in the back of the shuttle, which is kind of neat. Yeah. 
I do like kind of like a panel. It's like all the buttons control all of the things. I do. I do like that. How Mm -hmm. in track, like all the buttons or any panel can control anything. Even though part of me feels like it's like a little bit, maybe a little bit lazy. The other part Mm -hmm. of me is like, but how like efficient is this that you could be anywhere and still be running your ship? Like I would yeah. want that power if I had a ship and I knew how to do stuff. I would want to be able to like, yeah. if you have a rogue Danar taking over like the bridge, you could be in a hallway panel and just yes. go like Picard authorization, alpha zero one or whatever. And and like, yeah. You've got everything right there from a comp panel. It is pretty cool. And they, they get aboard the enterprise in the nick of time because the Borg detect the shuttle and fire at it. And of course we'd have the, the age old transporter trick where the fucking ship explodes and yet they still beam aboard like a few yeah. seconds later and they like just made it. Um, and I gotta say, we see smug Riker. Did you notice that shot where they're like, we got him? And then Riker's looking so pleased with himself. And I was like, Woo, this is like sexy Riker looking like so smug and pleased with himself. I was like, okay, that's funny. That's funny that you think that smugness is sexy. That's kind of funny. I I don't, but I think that shot of Riker is like, he's pretty hot. Like he's pretty hot. He's looking like very proud of himself and like rightfully so. Cause you just, I want to see a t-shirt with the Borg and them taking Locutus and then being like, Hey, no take backs. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Totally. You should make that meme. Um, I love the battle bridge. It just looks so dope. Like it's just so cool. It's like different colors, different shapes. It's very Spartan too. It's It's like, it's a battle bridge. There's no comfort to it. It's amazing. Like the set design, every penny that they spent on designing the set and doing the costuming and the makeup for the Borg was money well spent. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. Um, now aboard the enterprise, uh, the the cube just like jumps back into warp and heads towards earth. They're like, whatever, we're, whatever. Right. Whatever They're just like, keep like, them. Yeah. <laughs> we got yeah, others. <laughs> yeah. Whatever with you guys. Yeah. We have many of these. Which so, by the way, makes no sense. They could have easily just destroyed them. Like they did that whole armada like 10 minutes ago, but for some reason they leave the enterprise to go about their business. Yeah. There was an entire graveyard of 40 fucking Federation ships, like big and bad ships, mm-hmm. but like, the star drive in the saucer section going pew, 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 with like antimatter, like in sparks and a little teeny tiny shuttle. Yeah. Like that was enough. The, the board would have been like, pew, and that would have been that. <laughs> like, right. I mean, they could have so easily yeah. blown them up because neither ship really had any weapons that could do anything anyways. Nothing. Did they even have any weapons left? Cause they said fire at will and they're all separated. Like it's just so easy for you to be like, pew, pew, and then keep going. But instead yes. they, instead they kind of like going the little journey, kind of like the little Mars defense perimeter where these three little ships oh. came out and they were like, pew, pew, pew. That was, yes, that was really sad. And they're just my like, first patrol. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> Jupiter has just spotted them. And they're like, Saturn has just spotted or whatever. And then they're like, yeah. yep, the Mars defense. And it was like, pew, pew, pew. They're done. And you're just yeah. like, okay, they're just at earth now at this point. Like <laughs> no, really nothing are. stopped them. Yeah. Nothing. So aboard the enterprise, Locutus is unconscious in sick bay. And Beverly says the Borg are like, rewriting his DNA and they revive him. And he is like speaking for the Borg. And this was interesting for to some me. reason. He's a super docile Borg. Yes. Cause he says, I speak for the Borg. This is the first time I've ever heard a Borg say, I mm-hmm. not we, he says, I mean, you no harm, which I was right. like, but you do. Okay. Mm-hmm. And also I thought in like ultra HD, that makeup close up looks really rough. I was like, Ooh, I can see all the stickies mm-hmm. and the extra everything. I was like, Ooh. it looked so much cooler on the ship's view screens. But again, this was 1990. Now they discover that the board can control Picard via the subspace communication that kind of looks like a transporter. It, it uses sort of transporter ish technology. Cause you know, they just keep assimilating like different technologies. Um, and they're like, we need to separate the man from the machine. And isn't it 
convenient that we have a machine on board that can maybe communicate with the machine part of the man, which I thought was really, mm-hmm. really cool. Mm-hmm. Literally cool. no other ship could have done that. Yep. And yep. Data, you know, takes one for the team and is like, yeah, just like hook me up to him. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it's not even like there's some kind of, I don't know, adapter or buffer or some little safe space between them that you could turn the button off in case Cherise, it gets crazy. Cherise, I have like six Epping connections from the microphone for podcasting to my laptop because I need like an Apple adapter and then a fucking whatever USB other something else adapter. And then like a, this other thing. But I guess in the 24th century, they're like right into my positronic yep. net. And there we go. And these three, these three things here go right here. And we're yeah. good. You're just like, okay. So we've got, so we're in data's lab and we've got data hooked up to Lacutus and mm-hmm. he's using his brain to access the Borg's collective brain mm-hmm. and discovers Picard's also in there somewhere, but he's not accessing Picard. He can only access the Borg. But, but using brain. Troy, like for her abilities, like she consents when Picard comes back, isn't that yes. using people where for they were the roles? Yes. So he's got O'Brien there to monitor his systems, which I'm okay with because, because Wesley and Jordy are probably trying to like save the ship. Yes, um, but the, because they specifically mentioned that the the monitor system that the Borg use for control behaves like a transporter, so they're like, oh, "Well, it's going to get the transporter you're chief." Totally right. You're totally yeah. right. And then we've got Beverly monitoring vital signs. Everybody's doing their got, job. You've got Troy monitoring if Picard's like spirit comes back or soul yes. or consciousness comes back, which yeah. is just like again fantastic leadership. Well done, mm-hmm. Data. Everyone's doing what they are best at doing. Mm-hmm. Now we feel like there's maybe a little bit of hope. There but is. He goes through. There's like three three firewalls or something to get through yeah. to the board yes. hive mind. And he goes through firewall one. It's like, nothing happens. He goes through mm-hmm. firewall two, nothing happens. He goes through firewall three. And then all of a sudden Locuta starts jerking and like yes. trying to break stuff. And you're like, Oh, uh, and data's uh. going processing, processing. I just thought that was super cool. Super cool. And th- yes, he realizes that like the Borg control everything by root commands. So yeah, Locutus does start breaking, like breaking out or trying to break out. And of course they get like this poor Ensign stuntman who like, hold on. And then <laughs> Locutus just launches him over mm-hmm. like a railing where there doesn't even need to be a railing. And <laughs> d- we get the data super strength that we love seeing. And he mm-hmm. like breaks the tip of his cybernetic arm with all the like, <laughs> Yeah. pieces which is and then so cool is cool after that he's, super, he's <laughs> like okay um and i love that picard initiates contact with data by like gently holding his wrist mm-hmm. and troy was like this is picard that's him like this is not locutus and they're like okay well can we plant this command into the collective consciousness like how, how do and we plant like, a root command yeah and which command should it be because data knows how to put it in but like can we get through all the security levels? And even if we yeah. do, what should we say? And they're like, just try to, you know, shut them down, turn it off, put, make power down systems. Go away. Yeah. Power, yeah, down, power systems, down weapons, turn off weapons, something like that. And like, all of that is a no-go and they are getting very close to being blown out of the sky. Yes. And they've got no weapons left and everything looks hopeless. And P- Riker's just like, F this fly the ship. <laughs> Wesley. Yes. Oh yeah. That's where Wesley was. He was flying the ship. Wesley. Plot a course, just like collision a, course. a collision co- course. We're just going to take the Enterprise straight through the heart of the cube, and mm-hmm. both of us will die right here. Mm-hmm. And Wesley's that's, all like, um, "See, that's the sir? ballsy captain move that we wanted." This yes. was the the question in episode one was, "Can Riker make the hard decisions?" Mm-hmm. And episode two answered that time and time again, and I freaking love it. And we never question that again in TNG mm-hmm. because he's totally approved it. Yeah, and they're right about to order the jump to warp. And Data comes back in and Picard keeps saying sleep, sleep over and over. And Data understands because 
Crusher being the doctor is like, he's so tired. And he's like, Mm -hmm. yes, but I feel like there's kind of more to Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And he's like, it turns out that the regenerative sleep command is this very low priority subsection Mm -hmm. of the root command of the Borg. And so he's able to just type in the word sleep. And all of a sudden now the Borg have busted out their fucking hole cutting laser again because they keep Mm -hmm. trying to cut holes into ships for some reason Mm -hmm. they already know like they have the captain of the flagship you don't need to like take a piece of a ship to analyze it to like whatever but they're doing that and they're cutting holes left and right and suddenly everything just gets deadly Mm -hmm. yeah and they're like hello and data's like i put them to sleep and they beam aboard you know we have this away team that beams aboard the cube and they're like the borg are all regenerating but there's something going on like the sub command malfunction has initiated a self-destruct so we need to get the hell out of here as quickly Mm -hmm. as we can Mm -hmm. and they jump out you know jump away from the from the cube at warp speed and this cube self-destructs in just the most spectacular manner while it's orbiting right above earth like it is totally made it there Mm -hmm. which by the way i thought that board cube is gigantic compared to any other ship, but it is tiny compared to the planet. Can't, mm-hmm. Don't they have like bigger cannons and things that can just absolutely like smash that thing to oblivion? Like, don't they have it? I, I just don't think any weapons work against the Borg because they adapt too quickly. Like, unless you can fire exactly one weapon that destroys them in one shot, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, I was just sort of picturing like in Star Wars on Hoth. You know, they've got like <laughs> on the ice planet, the ATAT walkers are like walking across the mm-hmm. ice and like on the ground, they've got those gigantic like laser cannons that they're like mm-hmm. blasting away. And I was like, it's got to be something like that. I feel like I the Earth is severely lacking in laser cannons. <laughs> like whenever we visit San sort Francisco, a, a general, <laughs> we don't see them. It's just like, yes, they just feel very safe and comfortable. Right. Yeah. Like, everybody's like, know, we're very pacifist. Who's going now, to attack yeah. Earth? They have a whole freaking federation of like a bajillion planets and systems. You're Who's right. going to attack Earth? Like, you are right. You're right. Why do they? Why would they need cannons? That's what the ships are for. Right. That's what the forty <laughs> freaking true. ships in the Armada were for. Yeah. Now all they have is just the Mars perimeter defense, like little pew, teeny pew, tiny pew. ships. Yeah, they're pew, done. Pew, that's it. <laughs> so the Enterprise moves away in time for the cube to self-destruct, and when that happens, the connection is severed. Flacutus and Picard comes back. And it is just such a relief. I've seen this episode a hundred times. And even every time I'm like, there it is. There mm-hmm. he is. He's back. And he's mm-hmm. like, I feel almost human with a slight headache. You know, mm-hmm. now this is some serious PTSD. Seriously. Yeah. And as we see the Enterprise orbiting Earth, I love seeing this like Picard, clearly like some time has passed because by the way, Beverly is like, we can get those like implants out of you lickety split. It's just a simple matter of microsurgery. <laughs> Okay, Beverly. And like, you'll be fine. And I love that we see these like patches, like almost mm-hmm. like futuristic band-aids, like where his implants were that kind of outlined. I was right. like, those are super cool. That was super cool. Yeah. So, so it's sometime in the future where some time has passed, things have kind of calmed down a bit. And we see that Picard is back to being captain. Riker is back to being first officer. Shelby's off to refit the fleet. Um, because you know, 40 ships were lost. So now we need to make 40 more ships or maybe more. Um, and it kind Probably of more, I'm guessing. Cause like if one cube took that out, like two cubes, which is yeah. done. Yeah. I don't know. Her, her ambitions are to get it all back the way it was in just a year, which is amazing yeah. because who knows how long it takes to build something like the enterprise. I can Seriously. imagine a very long time. Seriously. Plus those ships were not all like 
you know, whatever galaxy class or something, there was all yeah. kinds of ships and yeah. now they're all gone. Um, and it's almost kind of like a all, all's well that ends well, but as we see everybody filter out, Picard kind of stands up and, and looks out his window and is just kind of pondering what all he's been through. And I immediately was like, Troy, Troy, where are you, Troy? Or yes. like Dinan or something. Yes. Cause I'm like, and you actually, I, I guess I kind of appreciate this. You see this forevermore, whatever they mentioned, Locutus, just this like shame and guilt mm-hmm. in Picard for what he did because mm-hmm. he remembered everything he did. He remembers everything. And it's like the Borg really victimized him. They victimized him twice. They kidnapped him, they assimilated him. They forced him to kill thousands of people. And now that he's no longer a Borg, he has to relive that and the yes. guilt that he would not have had guilt if he was a Borg because yes. he's nothing to be guilty about. But now he has to live with feeling yes. like that was his choice when it wasn't, you know, which is like, ah, uh, I really just sucks. thought, I thought that that subtle change in his face is a testament to Patrick Stewart's acting mm-hmm. ability totally. because he goes to have a sip of his Earl Grey and then he has this haunted look on his face like a deep struggle with this trauma that he's experienced. And, you know, as we learn later in other Star Trek shows and even in other episodes of TNG, there are a lot of people who blame him for what happened to like friends and family and loved ones who Mm -hmm. all died at Wolf 359. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's just extremely unfair. It's, you know, if your husband or wife or what we see in pilot pilot episode of deep space nine like captain cisco loses his wife like in wolf 359 and he kind of holds it forever against the card it's like man like it's natural to have that feeling but also like you would have done the exact same thing if you were in that position like if you, you were didn't have a choice yeah, yeah. if you were assimilated mm-hmm. that's what you would have done like there was yeah. no ifs ands or buts about it and i love that he goes to this window of his ready room and he looks out on earth and i feel like in that moment he's really looking down on the planet and like reflecting just how close he had come to being like the instrument of demise of humanity. It's like Mm -hmm. looking over this planet, you almost destroyed. And I don't know if you caught this. This was like the second little catch I got with the Borg in this final panning shot of the enterprise kind of like in orbit um, around the earth. We see the enterprise and it's making its little sound like as it flies away. And we hear just the tiniest echo of the Borg cube sound. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. Oh, it was so haunting. And I was like, maybe I'm hearing things. I went back and replayed it like three or four times. And it's like in the last one second of the show where it was mm-hmm. like ambient sound and then just this tiny little twist. And I was like, ooh, that is so good. Cause it's like this threat that like they can come back mm-hmm. and they probably will come back. Yeah. So much scarier than the Romulans or the Cardassians oh God, yeah. being like, yeah. we'll be back or, you know, with their intrigue and spy games yeah you're like okay yeah this is like you know you killed one but this is just one and you know they're going to be back and you don't know when you don't know how many you don't know if they're on their way right now and the other thing that i thought was cool that we that we skipped because i forgot until right now is that um hansen back when he was alive he said we've called in the klingons i noticed that as well and i thought about that and i was like i didn't see any klingon warbirds like in the in the destruction yeah then i also been in the wreckage yeah and i also wondered too do we ever see borg that are klingons that have been assimilated i don't remember in tng so we'll see as we go on i think so because they're because um there's a borg cube that does get like freed from the 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 Borg, and oh. then you see that's a whole bunch of Alpha Quadrant races 
that now okay, yeah because like, the borg all look the other. same they're all just variations on like ghost white skin and yes. in, like cybernetic Correct. implants but i was like if you saw like romulan or vulcan or you be Klingon borg like that, you wouldn't be able to tell well i feel like forehead ridges or something like no all that stuff gets modified so that they all look the same but mm. when they um are freed from the collective and start regaining their individuality Mm-hmm. All that stuff kind of, not all of it, but a lot of it starts to come back. Like their hair starts to grow back. The skin coloring mm-hmm. comes back. The like, mm-hmm. you know, different things that the Borg modified comes back. And they try to, um, they actually do this in Voyager where a whole cube like malfunctions and they all get disconnected from the hive mind, Ooh. but they're right next to this planet. So they all kind of beam down to the planet and then they realize that they're from different races and some of them just go to war. Like they just start warring against Whoa. the other ones. So a whole other ones like have this little like bunker where they're all trying to work together and be cooperative. The other ones want to kill everybody. Oh my and God. it's just like race to the finish. Um, it's really good. But they they kind of like start dismantling all their cybernetics. They start taking mm. out the implants and you see they're like, then Different you start races. seeing their, their, their ridges and their hair and their like clothes hmm. and all the things that make them them. But when they're in Borg mode, they just all look exactly the same. Like that is so cool and yeah, so it's scary. Really cool. So, and then the, he was he was even like, so he was like, yeah, we we called in the Klingons. We were even thinking about calling in the Romulans. Like we're just gonna ask everybody to help us out. And it was when you see this graveyard, you're like, man, oh my god, that wasn't gonna help. Like even if you not called in nothing. everybody, if you called in a hundred more ships, it wouldn't have done anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where this episode ends. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap? Um. I think this was a really great conclusion. I think the two mm-hmm. parters that we see moving forward have nothing on this. Like they're just, they're just not as captivating, shocking, yep. alluring. I don't know, engaging, yep. um, but they're good. They're good. Um, and, and I do have to say that as much as I enjoyed this episode, I equally did not enjoy the next episode. So I'm yes. a little bummed that we're going from such a high note to such a low note. Yes. I agree with you. Next week's episode is season four, episode two, Family. It was originally written to be a three-part episode with Best of Both Worlds one and two and Family to be the conclusion, but it really fell flat. So they ended up just making it one and two. Now, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I'll mention it again. Charisse and I have been watching Lower Decks on Paramount+. Plus. It's the animated Star Trek series, which we originally were like, we're not going to watch it. So if it's good, let us know. And we love it. It's a complete love letter to TNG in particular, but also shout outs, I think, to like other Star Treks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is supposed to take place at the same time in the timeline as the Enterprise is doing all this stuff. So at one point, one of the characters is kind of elbowing another character being like, hey, is it true that uh, Wolf 359 was an inside job? I thought was so brilliant. Just Mm -hmm. so great. Um, Yeah. Funny and sad. Funny (laughs) and sad, which a lot of humor is. It's funny and sad. But honestly, such a great, episode such a wonderful conclusion to this like intense cliffhanger one of my favorite borg episodes ever um i will say right up here with my favorite borg episodes is the episode i borg where yes. Hugh like mm-hmm. becomes like his own identity An individual mm-hmm. oh my god it's just so sad and so, i will tell you Hugh does come back in picard yeah and does it's he? just oh my gosh uh, it's just everything he's like the the borg liaison with the Romulans it's like a whole thing um yes, but Borg yes, does I come know, back and he's a I know we do like, see him I do we <laughs> I do know that we see him in other episodes and it that is like the junction of like this different evolution of Borg which is so cool but anyway this episode was amazing I had so much fun breaking this down with you guys thank you so much for listening we will see you next week bye everybody 
Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.